0: in prayer. Lord, we come to you today and ask that you will help us to hear what you're saying. Help us to hear what you're saying and help us to know what to do about it. Help us to have the courage to do something about it. I thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You know, last week we talked about the faithfulness of God and you can access that at cityharborchurch.com slash messages or through our podcast. But today I want to have a look at this other characteristic of God, steadfast. Steadfast, that might not be a word that you use on a regular basis. It might actually cause you to think of pirates with tattoos on their knuckles. Hold fast. Uh, That's not exactly what we are talking about uh, today. Um, God described himself as abounding in steadfast love and keeping steadfast love. In Exodus chapter 36 and um, excuse me, Exodus chapter 34, verses six and seven. I'm really thankful for uh, a number of you that reached out to me uh, with some encouragement this past week as last weekend in a 24 hour period, two heroes of mine passed away um, as the Lord determined that there uh, it was time for them to go to heaven to be with him. Um, as they were uh, battling implications of the coronavirus. And when someone passes away, I I learned uh, many years ago when a close friend of mine passed away suddenly, that one thing that helps me in the grieving process is to think about the person. Think about the person, uh, obviously, you know, enjoyable memories, uh, positive aspects of the person, but also specifically, what are some lessons that I learned from the person. And that, that's been very, very helpful for me. Um, as over the years, you know, we've lost uh, a number of people that I care about deeply. And that practice can also cause you to, to, to think about a lot of different things. Um, what it, we, at, at a memorial service, you hear people describe a person in different ways. And maybe you've had one of those situations where you stop and think, you know, I wonder if that's how that person would describe themselves. Um, But here, I want to turn our, our attention to a story where God describes himself. And God describes himself with words that actually change the story between God and people. And from this point forward, these are words that people use to describe God and it's an amazing thing. God says, this is who I am. I don't know, maybe you've had a an argument with somebody where they were uh, maybe still holding something against you and you were trying to apologize, but you were also trying to say that you were working on whatever that issue is and you, you said, but I, I'm not like that anymore. This is what I'm like. You know, we as people can grow and, and, and change uh, change for the better um, at times and change for the worst at times. And um, it's helpful in like long-term relationships to occasionally have a conversation to just kind of articulate, like, this is who I am. These are, these are the steps that I'm taking, but we, we have this really unique um, chain of events that happens that I realized uh, this week that I tend to talk about occasionally, but haven't really taught on in a message uh, you'll hear me make reference to this, uh, but haven't uh, really unpacked it. And so I want to turn our attention to Exodus chapter 34, verses 5 through 7. But first, I actually want to explain a little bit about what's going on. So God has is the source of life for humans. And through the years, God has this relationship with the Israelite people. And what we've seen is that God declares his love for them and gives them guidance with the best way to live. And also warns people, hey, if you don't follow my guidance, here's some negative consequences that are probably going to happen, definitely will happen. And some of them I'm gonna allow to happen because I want to I want you to be drawn back into this loving relationship with me. And a part of that includes where Egypt enslaved the Israelites and then God sent Moses and, and and sent deliverance to them and was leading them on this journey through the wilderness on the way to a promised land where they could rest and this story is set in that in that time period and in that time period God has decided to give them guidance for life in the 10 commandments And he's called Moses away to give Moses these Ten Commandments and other instructions. And the people start to get impatient, waiting for Moses to come back from getting God's guidance. And so they turn to Aaron and the priest and they say, let's make something else that we can worship. We're tired of waiting for this God. I mean, can you imagine if, if I was got impatient with my wife taking too long FaceTiming with her parents and I said I'm sick of waiting for her and and I, I so I'm gonna go try to find a new spouse I mean how ridiculous would that be but the Israelites had multiple things about life that they were unhappy with and they decided to create something else in the place of God rejecting God Let's create something else that we're going to worship. God sees this happen. God shows Moses that this is happening. And then after that's happened, God is describing to Moses how, what, how frustrated he is that the people were impatient, but also they turned to, to, to find something else to love. And God describing his heartbreak and, and, and also his anger and In that situation, Moses cries out that God would forgive them. God says, okay, okay, Um, and you can take the people over to the promised land, but I'm not going to travel with you anymore. And Moses says, um, Exodus chapter 33, verse 15, if you don't personally go with us, God, don't make us leave this place. And Moses cries out to God on behalf of the people, which is the role of spiritual leaders. He cries out to God on behalf of the people, asking for God's forgiveness, but also asking for God's companionship and guidance. And asking, he also asks God to reveal himself because he wants to learn more about God. And so God responds to Moses and says, you know, okay, I will reveal myself to you. I'm going to set you in this protected area in on the side of the mountain. And I'm going to cover that spot with my hand and I'm going to pass by. And then as I let go of my hand, you're going to see part of my glory, but not my face. And you're going to hear my voice. And then this is what God said to reveal himself to say, this is who I am. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him and he called out his own name. Yahweh, the Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. As God is saying, I'm going to forgive and be with people who will confess their wrong when they miss the mark, people who will return to me, people who will live in wholehearted devotion to me. But people who reject me, who rebel, who reject my guidance and my love, People who refuse to be in relationship with me will be punished. And their punishment is going to affect a lot of people. Now, I find I want to focus on this word steadfast that's here. That is the said mercy, compassion, faithful, loving kindness of God in God's description of himself. That's what I want to focus on Uh, today because I think it's helpful to us and and just to that end I want to read from the ESV which is a translation that's really good for study of the original language some of these vocabulary words that God uses to describe himself that we can get to know him through the Lord the Lord a God merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. Now, this said word is actually not, we're not able to translate it in one English word. And you're going to find it translated with different words um, in different parts, which is a part of translating from one language to the next. You use the context of the other words in the sentence and the grammar and the meaning of who's speaking to whom to help you understand what's being said. And so hesed is translated as mercy or faithful love or loving kindness or even occasionally goodness. And so that's the hesed love of God that God is describing himself as being overflowing with and keeping We're going to come back to that in a minute. Now, in English, the word steadfast means steady, fixed in direction, steadily directed, strong in purpose, unwavering, and fixed in place. Now, we are experiencing a lot of things in our world today that you would not describe as unwavering, let alone faithful, compassionate, patient in love faithful and loving kindness. But that's who God is. That's how God describes himself to be. God is faithful in compassionate, merciful, loving kindness. That would be the the way we would translate or unpack this way that God's describing himself as steadfast. God is faithful in compassionate, merciful, loving kindness. You're repeating that sentence because I want us to think about it. I want us to meditate on it. I want us to consider what that means to us. Because just like we talked about last week, these attributes are unique from the way we experience most people. Most people in their human nature are not unwavering over the totality of their life. But God is. God is faithful, he's consistent, he does what he says he's going to do, and he's compassionate. God also uses this picture of compassion, which means to suffer with. God comes down alongside us and suffers with us with what brokenness we see in this life. And God is merciful. God gives a chance for there to be repentance, not punishing us the way we deserve when we turn to him and seek forgiveness, and loving kindness. Think about this. there, God was able to choose who he is. How he was going to present himself to us. And God did not present himself to us as a dictator. Ruling only by strength. No, God reveals himself to us. And here with Moses describes himself. As being faithful in loving kindness. And we see this is important because God describes himself. He uses the said" word in this passage at the end of verse 6 and the beginning of verse 7. He uses the same word twice. God repeats his name, Yahweh, at the beginning twice. And God repeats the word said" twice, which some scholars believe points to the importance. God is saying this is an important attribute of myself. This is who I am. Faithful and compassionate, merciful, loving kindness. It's important. So he says it twice. The first time God says this, he says he's abounding in it. And, and you, some translations will say lavishing this on us. God says he's abounding in it. And doesn't that remind you of Ephesians chapter 3, 14 through 21? God's saying, I'm giving you more than enough. Of my said of my faithful, compassionate, merciful love. He's abounding in it. He's continually giving them more than enough. And he says he is keeping it, meaning he is maintaining. In their story, he is maintaining. He's keeping it alive, functional, active. He's keeping it connected with them. This has said compassionate, merciful, loving kindness. And God says he's guarding it. He's protecting it. God is telling, and think about this. This is shortly after they had said, forget you, God. We want to create something else for us to worship. That's when God is describing himself. This is who I am. I am faithful in compassionate, merciful, loving kindness. God says, I'm actively working to maintain that. To you and my relationship to you, I'm guarding it, I'm protecting it. So, this is important. This is important. We need to think about it. And, and, and what you see is that Moses learns from it because Moses turns around later in the story in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 18, and Moses quotes it back to God when he's praying and he's asking God for more of this mercy. This compassionate, faithful mercy. Moses quotes the exact words. He memorized the words. They were meaningful to him. And he quotes it back to God. God, you said that this is what you're like. And so I pray to you based on that. It becomes an important part of the relationship. And we see it actually in a lot of places in, in, in the Bible and in the Old Testament. I just want to lift out a couple. David prays it specifically as a memorable phrase. In Psalm 86, 15, we also see that God speaks through the prophet Joel. And in Joel chapter two, which you see is what Peter quotes in Acts chapter two, when people ask him, when he's describing Jesus and the good news of Jesus and the way that we can be saved because of Jesus, forgiven of our sins, given a place in heaven. And they say, what do we do? When Peter says, Turn away from your mistakes and turn to Jesus as Savior, what does he do? He quotes Joel chapter 2 in describing the meaningful relationship with God, the Holy Spirit. And I thought this was interesting. The context of it, we see Joel chapter 2, verses 12 to 13, before he talks about the Holy Spirit. That is why the Lord says, Turn to me now while there is time, give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. In other words, God's saying, don't do religious outward actions, but allow the mistakes, your, your, your internal selfish rebellion, rejection of God, allow yourself to feel sorry for it, but, but turn away from it from the inside out, from the heart out. Don't just do religious actions about it, but actually allow your heart to be broken over it so that you can turn. Return to the Lord, Joel says. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. That's the Hesed. He is eager to relent and not punish. Joel is saying That we have learned from the way that God described himself and in the story of our nation throughout the centuries, we have learned God described himself to be this way and God is this way. And the implication of that is that God is not looking for an opportunity to punish us. No, God is looking for an opportunity to forgive us. That's what Joel says. God is looking for an opportunity to forgive us. And clearly, Jesus had learned that this was true about the Father. He knew this to be true, and he taught his followers to receive this from God and then allow it to change themselves so that they could reflect it to other people. We see in Luke chapter 6, verse 36, Jesus taught, be merciful, and that's connected, that's the Greek translation of the hesed, Hebrew word, be merciful, even as your father is merciful. Wow. So these, these words, this way that God described himself is critical. It's important. Jesus was resurrected from the dead, spent time, appeared to 500 people, returns to the father, James and Peter, pastoring the church in Jerusalem. And James writes, James chapter 5, verse 11, along the lines of this, two believers that are going through difficult times. You might be asking, Pastor Ben, these last couple messages are really simple. Even the Ephesian series are really simple. But I'm telling you that I believe this is a word from God for you, because if you will deeply consider it and do something about it, it will change your life for the better. It will become a part of the way you are transformed by Jesus and made new. So James writes to people that are going through difficult days, based on this revealed character of who God is, he writes, James 5.11, we give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. James is writing, hey, people going through a difficult time, take heart, be courageous, because God is faithful in compassionate, merciful, loving kindness. It's, it's who God really is. I know this is not easy to accept because it's like describing an alien, because people by their nature and in their own brokenness are not like this. This unwavering mercy, this unwavering compassionate love, loving kindness, people are not often like that with consistency. But God is. But God is. And I'm, I'm inviting you to investigate God by reading the Bible. Every day I post a way that you can walk with me through that. By thinking through who God has revealed himself to be in your life. By thinking through what you hear from other people about who God has revealed himself to be. And by giving that some real Meditation. Allowing the truth to sink in and thinking about the implications. So what do we learn from this? Well, we learn that God is faithful in compassionate, merciful, loving kindness. I hope that you just write that down, think about it, meditate it. So what do we do? Well, number one, turn from wrong and receive forgiveness for it. Come on, every one of us have done something wrong this week. Every one of us. And you're saying, well, I haven't done anything wrong. Well, there's some pride and some deception. So there you go. There's something wrong. Every one of us have maybe not done the right thing, maybe done the wrong thing in our words, in secret, or self-medicating pain in ways that we know are not healthy, in ways maybe we know God has said that we shouldn't. So we're not going to – this isn't going to be meaningful to us if we're carrying around the weight of those mistakes. So let me pray with you, and let's just confess where we've been wrong and receive the forgiveness of God. God, we come to you right now, and we're just honest about the fact that every single one of us has done something wrong, and we need your forgiveness. God, maybe we didn't do or say the right thing when we knew we should. Maybe we did or said the wrong thing when we knew we shouldn't. Lord, maybe we're holding secret sin. Maybe we're abusing a substance. Maybe we're looking at things that we shouldn't. Maybe we're gossiping about people. Lord, maybe we are letting our anger get the best of us. God, please forgive us. Lord, we, we know we've done wrong. We see the damage it's caused. The damage in our relationship with you. Please forgive us. Please cleanse us from our sin. Please take away our guilt. Please create in us a new heart. Please give us a steadfast spirit like David prayed in Psalm 51. Give us a steadfast spirit, Lord. Give us the strength to live in new ways. We thank you for your forgiveness today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isn't that good? I hope you prayed that prayer and it's meaningful to you and you're going to continue to use that prayer to just receive the forgiveness God has for us so that you can walk lighter freer receive the healing from God so what do we do we turn from wrong and receive forgiveness for it number two read today's verses did you know that every week cityharborchurch.com slash messages the outline of the messages including the scripture references are posted there and you can go and find them there today reread the the passages that I've I put out today. And number three, after you've read those verses, write out what you believe to be true about God's love. Short, simple statements, write it down. Thumb punch those notes into your phone, grab a journal and handwrite it out. What do you believe after reading those verses to be true about God's love? Number four, think about this truth that you now believe before you pray. It's so important. We see, I talked about this last week. We see many examples in scripture and we can read many books about people in history since scripture that have used this principle and say, okay, God, I'm going to take you at your word. This is who you said you are. So because this is who you are. Now I pray to you about this and listen This is what we can and should be doing about whatever is going on in our life. I tell you, for I for one am so incredibly thankful that this description of God has proven to be true in my life. I'm so thankful that God has been patient with me, that God has been compassionate with me, that God has been faithful in in mercy and in loving kindness. This is the way that God has treated me. And so I think about that sometimes before I pray, before I go to God, before I use the prayer that Jesus gave us that starts, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I'm not going to have the right stuff in me to praise God if I'm not considering who I'm talking to. So think about this this truth about God before you talk to God and it will affect exactly how you pray. I want to pray for you. And then I want to, um, uh, we're going to turn to a time of worship. And then after worship, we're going to have a time of prayer where we start to apply this message. Okay. Let me pray for you. God, I just thank you for my friends. Lord, I thank you for our church family that is faithful, that is loving, that is kind. Lord, and I ask right now that you would, would you please help us to hear these words of how you described yourself and to receive that revelation. Help us to believe that you are who you said you are. Help us to turn away from unbelief. Help us to choose belief. Help us to look to you through a lens of, of how you have described yourself to be. Forgive us for how we've treated you with prejudice based on how other people have acted towards us. Lord, forgive us for that and help us to look to you through this lens of how you have described yourself to be, how other people have described it to be true. Oh, Lord, help us to turn to you in faith today that with our prayer, we would pray based on this foundational truth, that we would take heart from it. Help us to take heart from it as we turn toward you, God. I thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you for joining me with this. Let's